Hey there, and welcome back to Cenophiles. And this is a show where we're compassionate about tape and not murdering people brutally. So once again, I'm Henry T. Casey, joined as always by Mike Andronico, and my webcam is washed out, whatever. Um, fun. Um, I'm not going to let it get to me, though, um, because uh, we got a lot to talk about today, Mike. Um, and I think we're probably going to have a little live show only post credits talk about the week in events because, um, well, you can't see him, yeah. but yeah, you, you re, long time listeners and followers know the deal about what happened this past week. Um, how are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's getting really warm here over in New York randomly in the middle of February, but I'll take it. Got a couple 50 degree days, so I am uh, enjoying every minute of that, even though it's you know has some pretty bad implications for the planet. I'm having a good time right now, uh, which is all, all, all I'm really here for. Uh, but yeah, very excited to talk about this Peacemaker episode. There's a uh, lot to get into. We are in the home stretch, the penultimate episode. Episode seven, Stop Dragging My Heart Around, directed by Brad Anderson, is what we're talking about here today. And um, as I tweeted in the moment, uh, yeah, this started off a little full tilt pedal to the metal hot and fast. Um, yeah, I do. I do want to uh, not much to report in kind of the fun facts corner this week, but I did pull this one article uh, from Variety in which uh, they they spoke to choreographer Carissa Barton about that iconic opening dance number with uh, with Do You Want to Taste It? Uh, she she revealed some fun tidbits. Apparently, Robert Patrick was the biggest surprise on set in terms of how good he was at dancing, uh, as was uh, Elizabeth Ludlow, who plays Adebayo's wife. They were kind of the uh, the surprise standouts uh danielle brooks was the one that came up with flipping off the camera uh and yeah so there's a we'll link that in the show notes but if you if you want some more insight onto that incredible intro sequence that none of you guys are skipping you better not be uh that's that's out there check out that variety story yeah um they should not allow you to skip for just this show like um because we all want to taste it um i'm not talking about the cow at the end of the episode i don't want i don't want anything to do with that cow um cow um but mike what did you think of this opening scene here because we have a two time period sort of flashback in present day where peacemaker is finally having the flashback to deal with his brother keith yeah this was um this was a really intense emotional scene i, th I think it's as a recurring theme throughout this whole episode or this is definitely um kind of the darkest and most intense peacemaker episode yet yeah, still very funny but um it this intro is one of many kind of really heavy moments. I thought it was super well done because, yeah, you're getting the simultaneous gut punch of Peacemaker's reeling from now being public enemy number one uh, after that butterfly police announcement. Uh, but we're getting a, a really poignant flashback. We're actually seeing now, we're seeing clearly the moment where Keith dies, um, where it's uh, Chris and Keith are, we, we, we see their bond. We see they're actually good friends. Uh, they're, they're bonding over rock and roll and, and, no, uh, that's not white power. That's rocking white. out. Fuck white exactly. power. And yeah, yeah, which was a really telling, which was a really telling quote that you know, I think is going to factor in even more later. But yeah, so then you know they're out, they're outside, they're just having like a, a friendly brawl because they're egged on to do it. Um, and in a Chris knocks out in a muddy pit. In a mud pit, as yeah. you do when you're, <laughs> I guess, when you're uh, in a white trash family. I don't know. Um, and then Chris knocks out Keith. Keith starts convulsing, foaming. Chris says, oh, he's doing the worm. He thinks everything's fine. Uh, and then, yeah. And then, and then, and then 
you had Augie telling Chris that you killed your brother, you, you piece of crap. And, and uh, all throughout it, Augie was bullying both of them, but mostly Christopher with homophobia and just sort of like yes. a lot of stuff that I'm not going to say on the stream. But um, yeah, Chris lands the knockout punch because young Christopher had the WMD all along. Um, and then he says, because everything has to go back to wrestling. He's doing the worm. Which, yeah, shout out to Sky when, Too Hot. Yeah, when, when Keith was that was the thing which, like, it's so slight you might miss it. But, yeah, um, Augie says you killed your brother. But as we'll learn later, Peacemaker doesn't see it that way now. Because mm. um, back in the present day, Peacemaker is de dealing with the ramifications of what he did. And he's realized that Locke was supposed to be helping them, but isn't anymore. So I don't think he's put two and two together yet, but he's Peacemaker's trust issues recurrent in this episode again um but i think we get my my first of many favorite dumb vigilante th things when, we, <laughs> when vigilante believes that butterflies are birds and yeah peacemaker it's not a type of bird it's a bug and it is it was one of those funny scenes because peacemaker is so pissed off and distraught at this point so him delivering that line being so angry just made it even funnier <laughs> Um, yeah, one of many great Vig moments in this yep. episode. Vigilante, Peacemaker, and Economos debate about whether or not Peacemaker would actually keep a journal or a diary. And sort of like, it's sort of masculine argument about like the look of the diary. And then eventually Peacemaker, I'm tired. I, I, okay, I won't say it. I would do it. I would do it. But it's not mine. And then, and then P Vigilante keeps saying stuff like, I would read whatever you wrote in that diary. I would want to draw a mural of the three of us having sex with hot chicks while dolphins are in the background. And then Economos says, I don't want a dolphin watching me fuck. Economos, one, Economos, one of several MVPs of this episode. Um, I have one other that we'll get into. Yep. Um, yeah, then so speaking of MVPs, so I, I really, I need to give a shout out to uh, Jennifer Holland uh, for her performance this episode. I think she she was the big standout. Um, and I really just, this was such a major episode for Hardcourt and her character development because, you know, she she goes to confront Adebayo about planning the diary. And she's like, what the hell? Like, you betrayed your friend. Um, there's some great back and forth. She's like, you revealed your uh, interior asshole, which Adebayo took very literal. And, you know, they have they just have this philo philosophical debate. Adebayo's like, oh, well, you killed, these, you killed all these innocent people and... Hardcore's like, no, this is different. He's he's one of our own. He's one of our fellow fellow soldiers. Uh, so they go back and forth. You know, it, Hardcore figures out that uh, Adebayo is Waller's kid. Vern walks in. He's like, yeah, I knew that. I would, I'd always do a background check. Um, but yeah, one of one of great. And we'll we'll talk about a few others coming up. But one of uh, several great scenes with with Hardcore where you really see her humanity that she actually cares about her team. She's not just this. Uh, kind of this stone cold soldier that showed that has no emotion. So very important scene that gets followed up on later on. Yeah. Um, it's really great. Like, I just really love everything about those two and hardcore in this episode. I was, it's funny. Hardcore is doing all, all these character developments without any revelations. She's just getting, um, it's sort of growth by just, facing down and listening and understanding and accepting people for like not being what she they she thinks they she thought they were um mm -hmm. but then we get um our favorite um micro machine himself um <laughs> judo master is on the run and he's called a leprechaun 
So he does what Dylan Postal would do, and he beats the crap out of those two dudes. Um, and takes their car, yeah. and the bodega guy gives him a little thumbs up. That was such a such a satisfying scene, especially when he's mocking the guy that's choking after he just pokes him in the throat. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to see Judo Master later on, but that was that was a great little moment. And also, um, Judo Master can use to eat Cheetos, um, yes. which is just great. But that made me that made me very that made me want Cheetos. It's a good recurring moment. bit. Um, yeah. And I think it's around this time where Hardcore calls Peacemaker to try to, um, and she, we finally hear Peacemaker's like um, answering machine message where it says, leave a message for Chris or Eagly. Yeah, yeah, which is just so sweet. For, for Peacemaker, who's always walking around in full gear to go by his real name on his phone line, plus also who wouldn't want to leave a message for Eagly? Like, true. We, we love Eagly. Yeah. In this um, household on this show. Uh, we'll get to more of that later. But the White Dragon army is tracking uh, Peacemaker down by his helmet. And so what do, uh, what do you do when that happens? Uh, you tie the helmet to a raccoon and let it go. And all <laughs> of these skinheads. Mike, was it just me or was, I feel like the those skinhead, ma- um, those fake clan hoods were mm-hmm. the most purposefully, goofily designed. Like they looked like something out of like they were like little sheep or lamb yeah it's a two they did not the, the white dragon army did not look intimidating which i think was by design yeah they look a white dragon i thought the white dragon like looked awesome like yeah it's uh, a good i thought that great armor great just comic bit. book villain get up but yeah his followers i think by design just all look like goofballs um and we'll see later on they're not <laughs> not exactly the most capable threatening bunch nope. but uh but um yeah they do happen upon peacemaker's van with economos and vigilante and dragon like in very uh, i think this is why uh brad anderson was brought in here this scene i mean i bet james gunn could have done this scene but it was mm-hmm. very scary and spooky and like well yeah but before the big attack there there's some great stuff happening in the van with this trio yeah. of uh peacemaker vig and economos i wish i wish i knew the song offhand but another great use of music uh, they're all rocking out. I think this is when, like, the never bad time to rock uh, bit starts happening. But there's one moment that just got me where, <laughs> meanwhile, we know that they're about to get attacked. It's about to get real serious. And, like, Peacemaker's playing air guitar, but very suggestively. He's going up and down the neck in a way that's um, maybe not very family friendly. But uh, it's just one of the, again, one of those little moments, one of those little scenaisms that that really just, that really just popped me in the moment. Um, yeah, they're... More on that later, I think. Um, maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, then you have the confrontation where yes. basically Chris isn't ready to take his father down yet. Um, mm-hmm. um, White Dragon blasts into the car, into the truck. Is but Chris is only saved by Vig, Vig who has a machine gun, like sort of an AK, like um, one of those one handers basically i think it's a p i think it's a p90 i want to say i haven't played goldeneye in a it's, while i don't know it's an important but keep that weapon in mind because it's important oh oh you're right um yeah but, but have regardless a, have of upside, what it is it, there was no upside yeah. down dove on that gun i don't think um, oh, okay yeah uh but then basically um vigilante lights him up with a machine gun fire and vigilante does what other people have done <laughs> in this show, and he doesn't run away when throwing the grenade, and Vigilante nope. gets bl- his ass blown up. Did you did you think Vigilante was dead in that moment? No, because I have a weird like obsession with 
sort of being able to see narrative ways to predict a death because typically somebody will either redeem themselves or seem like the scenes before a character death have to be like I don't know. It didn't it didn't seem like they gave him yeah. enough gist. There wasn't a weight given to it. Like but there was a moment he's of in there that was freaking flame. He is so engulfed in the flames of that grenade. Yep. Which And and we we do get a brief moment of of Peacemaker like screaming for Vidge, but but Economos is dragging him like, hey, we have to go. We gotta so. go. But you're right. They didn't. They didn't. It was. It all happened so quickly and wasn't given really much weight. That I don't think there was too much reason uh, to worry about our our very. There's a lot of <laughs> our very yeah our very stupid but lovable uh, companion. There's been a lot of deaths or fake deaths or not deaths on television lately. Um, just look at Book of Boba, and um, that was a show where it's like, you knew that. No- there was a character who didn't die and it was pretty obvious that that character didn't die, but they did use a a scene to verify that at the end. And it's like, yes. Okay. But so while vigilante, as we find out, it's all fine and good. He ends up, we see him badly burned. He steals a car. It's a fun bit. Um, We did lose one of our key characters though, because shortly after this or kind of concurrently with this, we've got the big confrontation where the uh, butterfly cops confront Mern. They don't know he's um, the renegade butterfly in the moment. They just shoot him up. Um, Goff's mm-hmm. butterfly, who is in the cop, just pumps Mern's body full of lead. And then Mern's butterfly escapes. Then Goff's I butterfly. Wish, I, I'm, bu- I'm, I'm butchering the name, but it's like Ikenoblu or yeah, it's yeah, a very, uh, very tongue, complex name. Our tongues aren't meant to pronounce their names. No, we're not butterflies. No. Um, but yeah, then there's that moment of uh, yeah, he dies. The, his actual butterfly comes out of Mern's body, uh, and then Sophie Goff grabs it. She says something like, "You know, you could have, you could have joined us. You could have been with us." And then, very, very uh, menacingly, just crushes him and throws him on the ground. Yeah, and the other butterflies are like, "You killed him," and they're kind of upset. And she says, or the Goff's butterfly says, "He was a warrior," which I guess means mm-hmm. he was going to do us if we didn't do him. Um, exactly and then so they all storm off and Harcourt and um Adebayo are watching it from the corner because they were right around the corner and they're sad um about the death of Mern they check it Adebayo checks his pulse Harcourt mm-hmm. holds the butterfly and the butterfly very gently and lovingly the, yeah very this easy. was another again yeah, this is what again I just have to shout out Jennifer Holland again because this this was another moment that we're like she really sold the scene and and made it, you know, really sold the emotion of of losing uh, someone she really cared about and her, you know, her partner and and I guess boss. But uh, yeah, very very sad, poignant moment. So we we lost Mern more. <laughs> we lost Mern, but there's not much time to mourn. Yeah, hardcore <laughs> mourn. Hardcore in my notes. Hardcore mourns the loss of Mern's butterfly. Um, yeah, tongue but, twister. Yeah, in the before this. Harcourt and Mer- Harcourt got Mern to admit that he knew about Adebayo being um, so it's like there's a lot of revelations going on right now and so it's sort of you get Mern's knowledge basically summarized it's like okay mm-hmm. you've cleared up all the loose ties around Mern no reason for him to come back I guess and then Judo Master shows up just to be a dickhead and he gets in a fight with Harcourt um they, they fight and fight as the itchy and scratchy song goes. But uh, Adebayo pops up and tasers him almost excessively. Yeah, al- almost to the point of death. Uh, finally knocks him out. I really don't know where uh, 
where judo master is going to end up at this point um but yeah for now he's he's no longer a threat because uh, he has been violently tasered by Autobio. Another great moment of the. Uh, I always I always love when the non-soldier types have a uh, a save the day moment, which happens a lot. It's not the last time it'll happen in this episode, um, but always fun. We've got uh, we eventually cut to uh, Peacemaker, Economos, and Vidge. Uh, they think they're escaping in the car, <laughs> and um, y- you know they go. Uh, I think Peacemaker's like, "How'd they find you guys?" And Economos. Or someone reveals, like, oh, there's a tracking device in the helmet. And Vidge makes... <laughs> Vidge, being the idiot he is, just makes that cringy smile. Like, <laughs> basic, basically revealing to the guys, like, oh, the helmets are in the trunk, so they're definitely going to find us. Yeah. And um, all along, this, Economos and Eagly are not getting along. And Eagly is pecking as Economos has his asshole. Um, and it's very... The three bicker and such... Um, but then the skinheads find Peacemaker and start wailing on him after he throws the helmets out of the trunk. They're, like, using, like, tire irons and shit on him. And mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, Vidge and Economos aren't there because Economos ran to go look for Vidge, and Vidge is relieving himself. And, um... <laughs> yes. Mike, have you ever heard of this uh, syndrome that Vidge has? Like, Vidge has a condition, it sounds like, or he claims to, that he cannot urinate when clothes are touching his butt. And I've never heard of that being a thing before. <laughs> that was one of the biggest, like, in a show filled with them, that was one of the biggest just laugh-out-loud moments I've had this entire show, especially this episode where it's so intense, the stakes are so high, we've got the big villains coming, and here's Vigilante just full bare ass, uh, just just peeing in a tree. So a uh, great moment to break things up. Yeah, and White Dragon basically, back to Peacemaker, knocks Eagly the fuck out with a punch, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and that sends Peacemaker into a angry rage where he yells, I'll kill you, motherfucker, which, accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, they fight, and Dragon has a big monologue where he lists off um, peace, the reasons why he should have killed Peacemaker which start with the technicality of you killed your brother. Yes. When you listen to the devil music. Which I, yeah, the, the rock and roll. Shaved your body like a woman. Mm-hmm. Which I, whatever. Uh, slept with the whores of polluted blood, which I'm mm-hmm. not sure, how, like, I guess that's STDs or something. And then um, Dragon just yells and men after that. Like, for which was the saying, big... Basically saying, ignoring, like, if you, what do you say? Like, he's like, I'm not using a serial comma here. That is, he's basically saying that the thing that we've always had alluded to on this show is that Peacemaker is now canonically bisexual. And yeah, which was a, yeah, a big revelation that I I didn't fully, it was so, it was so snuck in there uh, in the middle of this. this You have to pause and like pay attention. I didn't catch it the first time. That's the other thing. I didn't want to kind of spoil it up front you know if you're listening to this podcast you probably watch the episode but uh that's the when i was just kind of doing my sweep of news like that's the big thing making making news this week is that you know peacemaker confirms that peacemaker is bisexual pretty cool for uh for a superhero for a superhero show especially one starring such a meathead yeah (laughs) like john cena we've gone Uh, through all this yeah we've gone through all this stuff um over the over this entire series that like 
men haven't been men since they were okay dressing up as women or something was the line from the first episode. So yeah. all along, Peacemaker is sort of like definitely given us sort of clues to his sort of feelings on masculinity and sexuality. And then we have this. And then you the thing that you might get distracted, may not notice that by is you try to figure out who the hell Baphomet is. Um, which is a word that I've seen in RPGs and games over the years. And I looked it up uh, because I am that person. Uh, Baphomet is the deity allegedly worshipped by the Knights Templar. It looks like a goat or goat-headed um, female upper torso, or at least an upper torso that has breasts. Um, mm -hmm. uh, deity worshipped by the Knights Templar that was incorporated into various occult and mystical traditions. Um, it's very much like a lot of a sabbatic goat drawing is what's associated with the fama. It's very much like all to say Augie Smith is really obsessed with some silly, stupid shit. And that's all yes. I want to get out of that. Um, but then we get a callback, <laughs> a callback that I brought up the second they said it. Cause I was like, I bet they're going to call back to this when Peacemaker and Vidge were in Augie's lair because visually oh. he remembers the gaps in white dragon's armor. Yeah. Yes. Which was yeah, a great moment. Just just when Peacemaker's on the ropes and they're surrounded by white dragons, Vigilante attacks from behind, basically just yeah, finds the gap in the armor, basically disables it. And we have just such a great sequence where this is happening, and just when it looks like the, the white dragons are about to open fire on Vig, Steve uh Frick, John Frickin' Economos making the incredible save and just violently gutting down uh all of these racists with his P90. Such a gratifying scene. And not, again, this is the second time now where he's violently killed an enemy trying to to kill his teammate. So shout out to Economos, one of the, the MVPs of the series. Um he might not be comfortable making love in front of dolphins, but he's certainly comfortable I mean, killing who, a bunch of racists who to is? save his friend. I mean, I, we yeah. all know how violent dolphins are with their sex. I'm not going to be yeah, opening myself to that um, without consent. But, like, the thing is, it's like Peacemaker now has to finally take his dad down. And yes. we get a lot of emotional, like, points here because Peacemaker goes, yeah, I am a piece of shit. But he all mm. blames and connects it all back to his dad, who continues to be throughout homophobic, mocking him, saying he hits like a girl, dares mm. him to kill him. To which Peacemaker pulls up this tiny pea shooter looking thing, and we can't tell if there's a bird of peace on that gun, but he mm. pulls the damn trigger and ends right in the forehead. Mm. The very much canonical, you can't come back from that kill. Um, yep. And what are face exercises? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So again, we have this. We have this probably the most emotional moment of the entire series. Peacemaker just killed his father, shot him right in the head. Um, incredible. You know, I wrote in my notes just like I think this episode in general is maybe the best acting I've seen from John Cena possibly ever. Um, really selling just the emotion of like, yeah, this, you know, he his father was a horrible person, but he still just killed his dad. He was really just distraught. And um, yeah, the vigilante makes a comment about, you know, so basically surprised that he's crying with all the uh the, the great face muscles uh that uh oh no is that, that a face that exercise that you're doing right now oh yes yes and yes he's called yeah because right after peacemaker shoots augie a, a soul tear runs down the right our left his right side of peacemaker's mm -hmm. face and peacemaker is crying and he goes why are you doing your face exercises right now and then yes 
um, Akano comes, he's crying you, and he curses him in some way. Yeah, Akano's being the voice of reason, thankfully. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Akano's and Peacemaker, for once, they're existing in a conversation where somebody's mocking somebody and Die Beard isn't being brought up. Uh, character mm-hmm. growth. Um, yeah. But back to the uh, hotel, Adebayo is helping treat Harcourt's bruises and wounds. And we learn Adebayo's old job, which is the kind of thing that really, I think, hammers home that she's a good person. Like, I was suspicious because I was like, what is her big secret going to be aside mm-hmm. from being Harcourt's daughter? But she ran a dog shelter that lost funding, which mm-hmm. how can you hate somebody who te- who has that happen? Like, yeah, it's yeah, the very, very big moment of uh, makes everything a lot of lot makes her a lot more sympathetic and really just confirms, I think, what we all suspected that, you know, Autobio is a good person. And again, like literally and then not just this episode, but some of my favorite moments of the whole series are just when Hardcore and Autobio are just talking uh, in these quiet moments because there's been so much of that from the beginning. Um, they seem so opposite at the start. You have Hardcore, like this hardened soldier, Autobio, this fish out of water. doesn't really want to be in this little military op. Um, they're actually kind of more alike than you think. They're actually people that care about, you know, those that they are around. So my favorite, very cool scene. Yeah, my favorite dialogue in this scene was when um, Hardcore says, I could tell you were hiding something. And then Adebayo goes, I could tell that you could tell. It was in, it made her really anxious. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that was the moment where it's like, okay, um, Harcourt is the wizened veteran of this. Adebayo is the noob. They're just getting, t- and learning more. Like it's, that's what, that's how Harcourt is becoming more of a leader by learning mm-hmm. more about the people that she's going to lead. Um, exactly. Jump cut to a hospital. Yes. Veterinarians are patching uh, up eagerly, and um, uh, <laughs> Economos explains all of it. Like, Economos explains all, and then, but it turns out Vigilante is up to no good again. Yep, because so he's got these three. It was it. There's so much happening here, but so okay. he's, he's got no, no, no. These, these three I, I have the dialogue. Yeah. There are three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are three people in Scrubs that he has a gun that he's ho- holding the gun at. I think it's the same gun that he shot the white yep. supremacists with. Um, yep. But he's threatening this veterinarian and this nurse and this male nurse is how he explains <laughs> yes. it. Or he says nurse, or he says nurse, veterinarian, male nurse. But he calls yeah. up and then Economos keeps and Harcourt like, no, you're you're a bus boy. And he goes, why are you revealing my secret identity? And they're just giving him shit for being like the gender normative nonsense that vigilante is always up to. And then and it's so funny because, yeah, he's holding them at gunpoint. He's like, oh, well, they saw us. They heard what we're doing. And it's like. Three of the most hard. It's just these three veterinarians, yeah. um, the most harmless people. Uh, so I just thought that was really who funny. just like saved Eagly's life. It sounds like, yeah. Um, and then Harcourt admits that they don't actually have to kill these people because the whole running gag in the series was: Do you have to kill everybody who is a liability? On Harcourt's walls about that are being broken down slowly mm. by slowly, um, but then. <laughs> The question goes, um, her, um, P- Vigilante goes, okay, so if we're going to, we can't use tape if we're tying them up because that's going to be really painful for them to remove. And Economos yeah. <laughs> goes, wait, you're compassionate about tape, but not brutally murdering people? Yeah. And then Doesn't Vigilante a has a moment of like, 
not self-interrogation, but he looks at like, okay, yeah, I guess. Um, and then it's very funny because the cameras then move over to Peacemaker, um, who Adebayo is looking into the room, and uh, Peacemaker is having a conversation with God. And um, he's asking him to bring back Eagly because he doesn't realize that the doctors have saved Eagly, which we've just been told. Um, Peacemaker says he shouldn't have left Eagly with his dad. He should have left him with some woman that he should have used to take care of Eagly. He probably wouldn't have had to have sex with her. Maybe just once to be nice. He was going to be getting out of jail anyways, so why not? Um, and then this is the moment, I think, the scene, whatever, that's supposed to ground Peacemaker back down to Earth of the sort of baseline of the character's toxicness because you can't have him be... You can't have Peacemaker be too reformed too fast because no. that's not going to be it. Uh, but Adebayo sees it all, and she sees the moment that she thought Peacemaker was lying about early on. She sees Eagly hugging Peacemaker, and we flash back to Peacemaker's claim, and Peacemaker goes, that's fine if you don't want to believe in a miracle. And mm. it's like, again, the show's using just, like, learning that people were lying or weren't lying, because yes. Adebayo really goes through a lot of emotional pain over the fact that she didn't believe Peacemaker, but she was lying to him all along by putting the journal there. So, mm. and about her mother. So Peacemaker then pulled out his phone and goes, <laughs> he takes himself. Oh, what yeah. a sweet moment. Yeah. Um, it was one of those, like, I know, I know James Gunn didn't direct this episode, but it was just a very, you could tell it's this, this was really such a James Gunn creation because he's so good at like, Yes, all this hyper-violence just happened, all this great superhero action, but it really just comes out to these little character moments, especially when they're with our kind of animate, you know, our CGI uh, animal friends, whether it's a rocket and a Groot uh, or a uh, or a rat or a rat catcher's rat. In this case, it's Eagly. Um, such a sweet moment, but yes, as you point out, kind of bittersweet because it's, um, yeah, Adebayo obviously feels really bad for uh, you know, everything she's done. Um, but she takes as a sign to stick around and she has a conversation with her wife on the phone and she mm -hmm. doesn't explicitly say I'm staying, but she takes it as like a, she should, if Peacemaker wasn't lying about the hugging of the Eagle, she should keep helping them all. Um, mm -hmm. and then Adebayo is sort of the unifier around hardcore. They have this conversation like, well, how are we going to do this out more? Well, we still have a leader. Economos goes, Me? Uh, <laughs> I was like, no. Everybody's like, no. And without any words being need to be said, nobody's jumping to Peacemaker. Everybody gets the fact that it's hardcore. And it's time mm -hmm. to go cow tipping, as my notes say. Even though yes. uh, Vigilante misremembers what the ending of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid uh, was supposed to suggest, um, mm -hmm. everybody, is in, everybody is in and ready. And the veterinary hospital workers get guns and they say they're in too. And it's just like, no. And they're like, like you're no. going to die. <laughs> yeah. Not you guys. Um, yeah. Great moment. Again, uh, hardcore, really the MVP of this episode that, that just kind of silent acceptance that you, that you pointed out. I love how like, um, you know, everyone once, as you said, once they're all, they, they all unify around the plan. They all kind of, they all confirm it in their own way. Vigilante says, hashtag, yeah, everyone's like, I'm in, I'm in. Vigilante goes, hashtag me too. <laughs> I is not the way, not the way. 
Yeah, just we not can't the way say that, that anymore. That, we don't say that anymore. That, <laughs> yeah, that's not what that hashtag means. Um, but you know, very in yeah, it's <laughs> vigilante. Uh, He's pretty high ranking in my power ranking list for the show. I gotta yeah, say, like, I think, I think, I think, I think after we review the finale, we might yeah, have to. I'm working on my characters. Yeah. Um, also, I also love the extra touch that they, you know, they spare the veterinary workers, but they do leave them tied up, which I guess is maybe for their own safety. I don't know. And one of the veterans, I think the male nurse is the one who goes, who admit, says that, yeah, vigilante is really fucked up or messed up. I forget what he says, but yeah, uh, the guy in the blue, um, they don't even, they don't even know the names. Um, but in the truck, which they take the veterinary hospital truck, which has a, I forgot to write down what the, na the name of the veterinary hospital is, but they take the truck to the lair, and on the way, Adebayo apologizes to Peacemaker, but he doesn't let her finish the apology. So Peacemaker still doesn't know Adebayo's mother. Mm -hmm. Peacemaker still doesn't know Mern was a butterfly. Yeah, he's in the dark on a lot. And he's uh, possibly because of both of those things, and because of like the secrets being kept, he's 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 standoffish he wasn't let her finish and he's hurt he doesn't accept the apology and he overreaches when he's like i'm gonna be happy to never see your stupid face again yeah just very childishly insults her there's also a sweet moment of just vigilante feeding eagly in the van which i liked and uh, uh also economos uh reprising reprising the line it's never a bad time to rock First hardcore's kind of groaning when he puts the, the 80s metal on, and then she kind of smiles. She's like, all right, you big dumb idiot. So, you know, the 11th Street kids are very much uh, very much reunited and ready to, uh, as you said, go, uh, go, go cow hunting. And we finally, because the butterflies enter their underground lair, and we see that the cow is... I'm just looking at, I'm sorry, I'm re, I literally am replaying the episode as we're talking and I'm just convulsing I'm, looking at I'm the not, actual cow. I'm only, I've only, I've watched it only twice, but it's a giant, yeah. hairless, fleshy, big, multi-eyed, uh, giant one-toothed, uh, hideous, no offense to the cow. If you have, if you have tryptophobia, definitely, uh. This will definitely trigger it. There's a lot of, a lot you, of holes. you might learn you have trypophobia if you don't know you already. Like uh, it's, and it's being That's... milked from beneath it because uh, it's a cow for the honey or whatever the yellow stuff. And um, what was the after show for this? This the uh, the post credits. Yeah, I've read um, oh, this. It, I I I forget the actor's name, but it's it was the guy again. It was the guy that plays Locke. Just kind of riffing during oh, yeah, that yeah. police announcement the, scene. The uh, journal thing, yeah. Yeah. And he's just, yeah, he just, he's going so far with the bit. And he's, you can see the other actors just trying so hard not to laugh. Um, so definitely stick around for that. It's just, it's a good little, good little stinger. Exactly. Um, un, 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 unlike the guy who hangs out with Sting lately, he's not a good little stinger. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, a very good ending. Um, I'm not ready to say goodbye to Peacemaker. Um, I'm just gonna no. like I am no. gonna need a season two announcement at the end of the final episode. Especially the Peacemaker uh, will be back for yeah, which I'm sure I, it's not been like confirmed, confirmed yet, but it feels all but confirmed. And like not it not did really nothing, good ratings not... for HBO Max. Like yeah, it's I mean it's again according to those very obscure metrics, it's they the could most, do a the movie most popular show out. They could do a movie yeah. and a new show. Like, they don't have to just yeah. be one or the other. Like, this is a character who is very 
malleable is probably the right word for it. Like this yeah. is good stuff. And I also like not to go on too much of a tangent, but you know, as a lot of people probably have, like I've been watching the show concurrently with book of Boba Fett, which is a show that like, I love star Wars. I could <laughs> not care less about that show. Um, and I think what it came down to is I really, I really didn't care about Boba Fett. I didn't care about most of the characters. I didn't really get the only, I got the most interested I was, was when the Mandalorian came back, um, which is, a. Uh, kind of damning of of how how boring I, I found boba fett to be so to go to go from that to watch that finale from this week which was fine it was just a bunch of star wars stuff happening to uh to this show where like i was so invested in everything going on i was laughing i was getting emotional i was enjoying the action um yeah i'm with you i, I definitely it's crazy that we're we only have one episode left and i think they've they paced it perfectly especially like they've really balanced their characters well, where this was a great penultimate episode. We took care of the white dragon storyline. Now it's really about, um, now it's really about stopping the butterflies and, you know, I'm sure we'll get some more revelations about Chris and his past, but yeah, I can't imagine they're not being a season two. We're just waiting for the announcement, which will probably be after season one wraps up. I would assume it's the post credit scene of, but that's just me. Uh Uh, But no, I actually think Chris is fully revealed at this point. Like, I, f- I feel like there are only two things that could be surprising for Chris by the end of the season. Um, yeah. Chris and Economos fuck. Like, is maybe the only big surprise that Chris could have left in him. And you could say, I love your dye beard. Like, that could, you know, be, that could be a post-credit every, scene. Every, everything's the- on the table. But, um, yeah, I continue to rate this pretty highly especially in the john cena library but also just like modern tv i have a piece going up some point this weekend where hbo max is definitely one of the uh, services that's helping me have fun with tv without netflix because i don't need netflix right now if it's gonna be if hbo max is gonna be this good with this and euphoria and righteous gemstones and i got uh, Killing Eve to catch up with on hulu like yeah. there's enough i watch, watch i watch i watch all those shows too so i agree yeah, I wasn't even trying. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, no, we will see y'all back here uh, next uh, weekend. Um, Mike, I was wondering, what do you think about doing a Peacemaker finale as a, what are, is later in the day possible for you? Because after summer, after Elimination Chamber on Saturday? <laughs> I'm only, yes, I'm just laughing because. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Elimination Chamber. Oh, yeah, no, no, um, no. I'm just thinking, yeah, like, that would yes. be a good thing to have, like, in our brains yeah. recently. I yeah, know yeah. We, we typically yeah, watch the episodes before, but, like, for once, a Saudi bag show isn't on a weekday, so, like, I figure we can use that for after-show filler and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, okay, Cyclops. Uh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm down. <laughs> I'm just I'm just remembering the existence of Elimination Chamber and yeah, so um, Yeah, no, uh, um... Um, maybe that's where they're going to bring uh, LGBTQ plus characters to the WWE. Maybe that's the show they're going to do it at. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Anyways, this was Cenophiles episode uh, whatever for ep- for season two of Cenophiles. I think it's season two, episode five, covering Peacemaker episode seven. Next week is the finale. So stay tuned and we'll be covering all things John Cena whenever he comes back for more. And if you're watching live, stick around.
And we are back um, as regular viewers and people who uh, unfortunately follow me on social media know. Um, I cackled like a child on Wednesday night at around, I think, 8.45 p.m. If, or maybe closer to 9. I don't know. But um, because AEW Dynamite had great ratings thanks to uh, a limitless appearance. And uh, Mike, you were trying to get my hopes in um, right before it happened. You were trying to get my um, expectations a little bit back down to earth, right? Like you, I was, yeah, because the rumors obviously we're talking about Keith Lee's AEW deb debut. Um, the rumors kept swirling; it was seeming more and more likely up until you know there's there's the big bombshell Fightful report a few hours before, saying he's imminently arriving. So I was just throwing out, and I, I believed it. I thought he'd be the debut, but I was throwing out the possibility of like, you know. <laughs> What if it's multiple? What if he's? What if it's someone else tonight? He's coming down the line. Maybe he's a big pay per view reveal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they said imminently, and they were not lying because uh, he indeed was the challenger to face Isaiah Cassidy uh, for a spot in that Face the Revolution ladder match. And what a debut! Like the crowd knew who he was. Like the Keith has sort of recognized the crowd. Uh, somebody in the crowd has a sign with the silhouette mm -hmm. of the pose that was on his gear. And yeah, um, I really want everybody else who has their favorite to have that moment. I did. Like I know mm -hmm. people whose favorites are still locked behind WWE's um, walls right now, if you want to call it that or something else. And it's like. What I experienced, I was like, because I, I shared the footage of it. I'm going to make a little video of it, I think, for YouTube at some point. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that was the perfect way to introduce him because of the misdirect you have right before that. Wait, could Jay White be the person who's going to face Isaiah, Isaiah Cassidy? Yeah, because minutes before, I thought that, yeah, I thought that was right a great one to yeah. reveal. And it, yeah, I thought, Jay, I mean, I'm not as familiar with Jay White, but I, I know enough. I know he's yeah. a new Japan guy. I know he's a bullet club guy. So to have him show up during that, um, you know, elite slash Rapongi vice segment was just perfect. We think first, we think it's someone coming to help out. Like, no, this is a, another, a fellow bad guy, fellow bullet club member. The, the Adam Cole universe <laughs> continues to get more complicated because he's got three factions all kind of vying for his affection. Uh, and he's also just, but you know, at the same time, he's also, uh, kind of getting more serious and no more Mr. Fun, Adam Cole, and I'm going to go get my AEW championship. So, but yeah, so that's a whole side note. I, I thought that was a great, uh, you know, great one-two punch. We get the, get the Jay White debut. We get the Keith Lee debut. What a reception. What a, um, hearing the, the Baskin's glory chants right off the bat, which is like, yeah, you guys made the right choice. People love this man all over the freaking world. Um, and he's going to get a huge pop no matter where you put him. Like, that's the kind of thing about how WWE butchers people that might confuse people. It's like, I don't know what, how much of that respect, reception Keith expected, especially because that theme song, while you didn't want to make Keith make a new song on his honeymoon or whatever, but, like, until you saw the name on the song, that song is butt rock as heck at first, and it's like... Yeah. It, but the, the one riff I want to say before we go away from it is... Man, if Jay White was the debut, how are you going to make your big debut near the start of Black History Month be somebody whose last name is White? That wouldn't be yeah. right. Um, yeah, I mean, but Tony yeah. Khan, 
Tony Khan can be tone deaf, but yeah. at least he's not that tone deaf. He, yeah, he is. He's not tone. He's Tony deaf sometimes, but um. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I I hope WWE knows they messed up. Like there was a vi- backstage video of Keith and Vince talking that one time. Yeah. Oh, like, yep. Yep. Beyond everyone, that was that was the recur. There were so many tweets to that effect. Like, wow, how did WWE mess this up? Which, yes, yeah, it, it is kind of crazy, but. I just, I'm just, ha- I, again, you have to be a little skeptical always, but I just think he's in a better place to thrive. Um, I know, like, you know, AW has been hit or miss with some of the people they've debuted, but, like, they just treated his debut like such a big deal, and it got such a reception, and it was such a perfect match. Shout out to Isaiah Cassie for making it a, help make it a perfect match. So I, I'm very optimistic for Keith Lee in, in AEW. It and, just feels like, a, yeah, it feels like a continuation of his where he was in NXT. Yeah, and somebody brought it up, and like the one, op, the kind of obvious, not obvious, but the one reason why you couldn't, it would not be that hard to predict that WWE would screw Keith Lee up is they like to do certain things with their monsters. They like to make their big guys like not like Keith Lee. Keith Lee is the antithesis of your WWE big guy. Mm-hmm. Like, which is why I am so excited for him and. Okay, uh, Wardlow and Max Caster have a uh, 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 match to determine who goes to the ladder match. Man, I'm thinking about Wardlow and Keith Lee. Like, um, oh, God, please, please. Yeah. Big, beady men slapping meat. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, good times to be a Keith Lee fan, I got to say. Um, guy got married and debuted in AW in the span of the same week. Like, yeah. I'm also, I've actually got to duck out soon. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Some, some quick, I do want to shout, some quick things I want to shout. I, did, I, I still have to catch up on my Friday night wrestling, but I'm very excited to watch Naomi versus Charlotte. I heard that was a banger. Good, very, She deserved that kind of match for so long. Can't wait to see that. Um, I caught a glimpse of some things from Rampage while I was at the bar, but excited to see more Hook. Uh, I, I saw the great uh, Dan Housen moment. <laughs> so he's, they've, they've been using him pretty great so far. And, um, Yeah, so very excited to catch up on my wrestling today. Love that, Danhausen, and we will see you later.